it's first Sunday. <clears throat> it's first Sunday after our revival. Uh, typically ends up being, uh, for me, one of the most difficult ones to prepare for because typically I like to review what's happened during revival. We've had four nights and we've had four interestingly very good messages that we need to apply to our lives. Uh, Sunday night we got uh, the first message from Deuteronomy 6. And the verses that I'll cover were 5 through 7. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and all thy might. <clears throat> and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine home, in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And the message, Sunday night, <clears throat> focused on loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might, and raising our children to do the same thing. The next night we had a message from Mark chapter 9. In verse 23 it starts, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. This message focused on everyone needs help sometimes and the word was used, a spotter. We... we when things get tough, we need help sometimes. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the next night, the scripture focused on this verse, chapter 1, verse 4, says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. This message focused on the inheritance that we're going to receive because of the promise that Jesus gave to us that's in heaven waiting for us. And the final night was in 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll read verse 4 and verse 9. It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And in verse 9, Arise, get thee deserveth, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And was, what we got from the message that night was that God's way sometimes doesn't make sense uh, in the whole scheme of things. And... I think we can cover the revival with, with a few thoughts. You know, the children and teaching them are important. Those that feel like failures know that we're here to help you carry the load. And we also know that if we have, we have a lot to look forward to one day. And that final thought was God's will will be done. And the church... The building, the assembly of believers, however you think of a church, uh, the people that make it up are the church, but the church exists for one thing, and I believe that the entire thought process of revival, the messages that I heard preached to me that really showed me what I needed to hear was <clears throat> there are four points that covers it. The church exists <clears throat> to help and train for the work of Christ's ministers, which are all of us. Sometimes we have to go through tough times, just like Elijah on the brook and go into the widow woman's house. We've all been through different, different trials and heartaches. When we're in those tough times, we need to know that we're in this together. We know this because we fellowship. 
And just as that word was used of spotters, we need somebody to step in and help us sometimes. And we can do this because we belong to the same family with the same inheritance. Because we have a common salvation between us. The common theme that I get from those thoughts, those those skimming that scripture and really thinking about how this applies to us, is that we're family. We are a family of believers. We are a family of Christians. And if you don't feel that way, I'm I'm sorry, but you should. We, we're a family. Ephesians is where we'll be getting our scripture from this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. The Word of God says this, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace." wherein he hath aboundeth, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, and in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. As we pray, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together. We pray, Lord, that you'll watch over us, that you'll lead God direct us. We thank you for the revival that you've sent to us, Lord. We, we pray a special prayer over those messages that were heard each night. And Lord, I pray that we can... Uh, grow closer to you, continue to uplift each other, continue to be that family that we so desire to, to be. We pray, Lord, that you watch over those that are going through different heartaches, through different sicknesses, through different pains. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you continue to bless us, continue to lift us up. And Lord, I pray to hear those babes crying on an altar. I pray that we have uh, souls change, that we have families grow together as we continue to seek you in our lives. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, looking at the, the scriptures that we read, the, the Bible refers to the church as the family of God. And we're going to look at why that is so wonderful. If, if the glory of the church is going to return, then we have to be the family that we have been called to be. Because everyone is searching for family. I think that everybody needs a feeling of belonging. I think that at one point in time or, or, or some other time, we're searching for exactly where we belong. Do you ever had a job where you just didn't feel like you belong? You've ever been to a church that you, you didn't really feel like you belong to it? You, you've been different places, even restaurants or wherever you go. Hey, this isn't really my crowd. This isn't where I belong. One of the most wonderful things about this scripture is that God, a long time ago, even before you were born, had planned for you to belong to his family. And no matter what you feel about yourself or what others have told you about yourself, God has always wanted you. You're precious. You're precious to him. 
and of the beautiful things about seeing the church as a family is that you belong because God says you do. You don't have to pretend to be someone else or be perfect. He desires your company. He desires you to be around him. He desires this because he carefully made you. He crafted you. He designed you. His greatest pleasure is to have you to come and be a part of the church. And the church is his family. Becoming a part of this family is done through adoption, which means there is something prohibiting us from being a part of this family. The word in Greek is hyothesi, the sons of adoption, the nature and condition of the true disciples in Christ who by receiving the Spirit of God enter their souls, become sons and daughters of God. That's Romans 8.15, Ephesians 1.5. Sin separated us from the Father in heaven, much like circumstances and distance separate families to get today. The difference is that no matter how much we try, we could never bridge the gap between us and God. But Jesus, praise the Lord, Jesus changed that. He made a way for our sins to be forgiven and relationship to be restored with God the Father. We were all made for this wonderful family. No one needs to be excluded unless you choose to be excluded. We also have to be passing on God's family values. Now, if you could be a part of a dream family, if you could think of any family that you'd want to be a part of, what what would what things would you expect? What are what are some things that you should characterize in this wonderful family? But I want to also think about over the years have we've shown how we are part of a family. If you look at Hispanic last names, they typically a lot of times end in S. You ever wondered why? Well, the old Spanish is means son of. Therefore, Gonzalo's son would be called Gonzales. Domingo's son would be Dominguez. And almost every language has the same thing. The Polish use ski at the end, and the Irish use the names that begin in O, and then the Scots use the Mick at the beginning of it. It's easier to see in the modern-day English, which we have Johnson, we have Williamson, we have Robertson, we have Jackson. The point is that for centuries, men have identified a man by who his father was. If we as Christians are children of God, then we should be recognizable because of who our Father is. We get our identity and our worth from that relationship, and we should display His characteristics. We should show, we should beam that because of who we are, being a part of that family. We've been purchased through Jesus Christ, which we see in the scriptures that we read in verse 6 through 11. I won't read all those. You can go back and read them yourself, but... The church family is not a club, it's not a social group, it's not something that we pay tithes to and we build up a membership process. It's the most powerful defense in the country, in the world, against pain, against hurt, against corruption, against depression, against stress, hopelessness, discord, loneliness. The list continues to go on. We have the most powerful defense in the world against everything that we can face. And one of the best things that we can offer to the world is a group of people whose arms are open, who are actively showing that love that Jesus so plainly shown throughout his entire time in ministry 
while he was here on the earth, if you believe in faith that Jesus died for you and gave you the opportunity to enjoy that relationship with God, then it means he did the same for everyone you know, no matter how wicked, no matter how bad, or no matter how vile. Jesus does love every wicked person. And I don't care who it is and how wicked they are. It's not what they've done. Every person is a child who has made wrong choices. Jesus went through so much to make his family possible. I want to tell you this morning that if we want to see the church be glorious, then we must act like the family we have been called to be. A heavenly inheritance is ours. Through Jesus and his great love for us, we'll go through those tough trials. We have to focus on raising these people, raising our children, raising our church to love God with all their heart. We also have to know that we go through those tough times. We need those people to step in and be spotters for us, to help us. And we also need to understand we've got an inheritance. It's not our building. It doesn't matter if, if we opened up in a strip mall, if we put up a tent, if we preached on the side of a street with seats on the side of the road. It's nothing. That. It's not our finances. It's not our clothes. These things don't bind us. The sacrifice of Jesus is what makes us brothers and sisters. It's so good to know that Jesus loves us. 600 students I read this week at a university were asked to write on a piece of paper the most beautiful word in the English language. 112 people of those 600 students wrote the word home. Probably because the most popular place for families to gather is the table. One thing you learn about families is sitting around a table and building relationships. What a good way. It's where fond memories are, are gathered, where family values are shared, where relationships are built. People feel safe and warm. And it's a wonderful illustration of the family to think about them gathering around a table. Well, there is a table that we are encouraged to come around as Christians that has prepared by God our Father. He wanted so much to enjoy his children that he made a way for us to come around the table and enjoy his company. We were separated from him, but we can come together today and share family right here. You'll find relationship here. You'll find godly values here. You'll find safety and will you remember together the goodness of our Father? Think about we don't deserve to be a part of this family. Think about all those people that are, are lost right now that need Jesus Christ. The table has been set. The table is ready. His arms are wide open. The church is wide open. The table has been set. And I'll have to ask you today, where you come? Will you come dine at this table? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love each other. The book of John thirteen thirty five. We know that we are brothers and sisters because we love the brethren. I pray this morning that each and everybody that's listening to this message knows Jesus as their personal Savior. I do. And the ones that do, I want you to know that you are my brother and my sister. You are my family. 
I would do. I would give the world for it. I would do anything that I could possibly do for my brothers and sisters. I love you. And I hope that you love me. The whole church is founded on being a big family. No matter what denomination you got stamped at the end of your sign or non-denominational or this particular group or that particular group or we do this or we do that. As long as you believe in Jesus, we're brothers and sisters. I pray today that you've come to know Jesus before it's everlasting too late. Thank you for listening.